This is For Advisors by Advisors. I'm your host, Evan J. Mayer, and today we have a very special guest in Wendy Van Cleve. That, that's Pinnacle Bank yelling right there. How are you? Well, how are you? Cool. I'm great. Wendy is the Senior Planning Advisor with the Fountain Financial Group, but they are affiliated with Raymond James through their bank channel, and the bank is called Pinnacle Bank, correct? Great. And you've been there now, you've been in the business for four years. It looks like you spent two years at First Horizons Bank and then moved over to Pinnacle. I met you at actually a structured note dinner and uh, we shared some emails back and forth. And I'm like, why don't we get you on the show? So tell us a little bit about your history. You know, when did you get started in finance? What happened at First Horizon when you got started? What brings you to Pinnacle today? Okay. Uh, So I graduated from law school and ended up in Memphis and practiced law for about six years. And actually, one of the advisors that I work with now, Ben Nickel, was a referral source. And they were expanding their team, and he asked if I would be interested in coming in to talk about that opportunity. Uh, Frankly, I wasn't, but he's a friend and a referral source. So I took the meeting, and I left thinking, you know, actually, this sounds like a pretty fantastic opportunity. I wonder if I should consider it. And Five years later, I'm still with the team. So we were with First Horizon. So the rest of the team might have been longer, but for me, it was three years or four years. And then just back in August of 2022, we decided to transition from First Horizon Advisors and join Pinnacle Asset Management, who is then the broker-dealer is Raymond James. Got it. Got it. So who was the broker-dealer for First Horizon? Excuse me. So they cleared through Fidelity, but they were their own. I mean, they were the broker. They were their own broker dealer, but they used national financial services to be their clearing firm. That's right. And that was one of the appeals to coming on with Pinnacle is that Raymond James is completely separate, but the technology and the, just the capabilities were very impressive. So far, it's been a good decision on behalf of the team. Absolutely. I mean, I'll be honest. I mean, anybody that's transitioned their book, you know, the first six months, you're just drinking out of a fire hose. So it's, it hasn't been easy, but it's definitely been the right choice for us. So what kind of law did you practice? Because I did see that I saw the JD on your LinkedIn page. What kind of law did you practice? So I focus my practice in estate planning, business law and probate. So it really was a nice transition into the financial planning arm because I still am able to actually use that background with our clients now, especially leading with planning. Very big move though. You met with Ben where you like, are you crazy, Ben? Like, uh, you know. Well, and and I was at that point. So I was a partner at the firm and really what was going to happen where I was at was I was doing a lot less legal work and a lot more managing the firm. And I had to make a decision. Is that really where I want to take this? Is this really the path I want to go? And so, and really what I was going to come and do when I originally joined the team was be the designated financial planner. So within a year and a half of joining, I got my 766 in CFP. And, but as I was going through that process, I'm also meeting with Eric Fountain, a lot of his clients, he's our team lead. And we just partnered really well together and realized that when we were working together, that we were actually even more than an asset to the clients by the team. Yes. Yeah kind of abandoned the idea of me taking on the financial planner role for the entire team. And rather, I, I now partner with Eric. 
So basically, you went from being a lawyer to I'm going to focus simply on planning to now I'm a full-fledged financial advisor handling the clients from the point of bringing them in to the advisor that's meeting with them every quarter or semi-annual, so on. That's right. Very cool. So this is always interesting to me. How many advisors were with your group before you left First Horizon to join Pinnacle? There were three financial advisors, two junior financial advisors, and we call Jennifer our director of operations, who does everything else, all paperwork, all of the service, and then myself. And then we brought in one other financial advisor when we joined Pinnacle. And then we just hired a designated financial planner. So the position you initially took is actually getting filled and you're actually using that leverage from them as well. Which is huge because I know you lead with planning as well. And it's going to be such a wonderful resource to our clients to have that designated person. We had it at First Horizon where there was an entire department of financial planners, but every case you get a different planner and some you like their style, some maybe not so much, some do a better job than others. And we just felt like it was the best for our clients to have one designated person. Why was the group wanting to leave First Horizon? And what do they see in Pinnacle that they were like, oh, this is a good home coming to Pinnacle? Sans the affiliation with Ray J, I'm guessing, were you guys getting referrals at First Horizon? And then the opportunity to go to Pinnacle, was that more promising? Yeah, I think it was twofold. One, we were pretty frustrated with the technology and just the capabilities on in that way. But we were told that we were going to be able to really develop that and money's going to be spent towards it. And then it was announced that with First Horizon that they were going to be bought by TD Bank. Okay. So that kind of pushed us to do a little research because we didn't really know if that was going to happen and when. And long story short, it didn't happen. That was just announced a week or so. Yeah, a few days ago, right? That's right. And so really what it did is this, it just forced us to do some research and figure out, is this really in the best interest of our clients to stay here when we don't know when these technology updates and these enhancements are going to happen, if ever? Yeah. So it's an interesting, similar story to mine because I was in the bank channel and found out that they were getting bought. And the time I had left my prior bank and joined SunTrust, it was the same buyer actually. So it was a, it was almost one of those circumstances where I kind of felt like I had to find a home. And in your case, probably not the same situation, but obviously when a new bank comes into town, it's very, very big difference. How's Pinnacle been as a bank to work for? How big of a bank? I don't know much about Pinnacle. So they, I should know this. I'm sorry. I don't know their assets under management. They're a regional bank. So they certainly are not like the SunTrust level, but they've been wonderful. The way their model works is they bring in bankers to really be very autonomous, but they're seasoned bankers that really know their business, know their clients. And so it's been wonderful, one, because they kind of let us stay in our lane as far as working with Raymond James and on the brokerage side and let us do what we do. But then also the bankers have been fantastic as far as referring business, which of course, when you first come in, you have to prove yourself that, you know, we actually know what we're talking about and follow through and clients the kind of service that they think they deserve. Uh, but once we've done that, the referrals and the working with the bankers has been fantastic. Awesome. And so what's it been like working with, I don't know anything much about Eric, but is Eric being the lead advisor there, getting referral flow from him? Is he starting to segment some of his book where you're kind of helping along with that book? Or is it new referrals basically that are coming in? You're kind of handling those or how does that work? I work with all of our clients, all of Eric's clients, but I would say that I think a large portion of my time is dedicated to 
working with prospective clients. So I do help with some of the upkeep and just service for the outstanding clients, but really it's bringing in the new and prospective clients that I spend a lot of the time. Just In fact, I, I don't know if you, I'm sure you've done these already, the by invitation only where mm-hmm. you bring clients to the home office. We just did that for the first time last week and just had a wonderful experience. So I kind of took the lead on getting that all together and making sure that the client was comfortable and that everything went as planned with all. Yeah, I've not done that. I remember when I was coming aboard, they were mentioning that's an option to do. And to me, it seems like it's a big journey to kind of take them all the way to Tampa to do. But how many have you done so far? Was that your first one? One with Eric and then Zach on our team has brought a client down as well. And you guys have seen value in that. Oh, huge value. And the nice thing is too, is for clients that don't want to make the trip, you can do a Zoom meeting. So it's nice that they can still get a lot of the resources and you know the advice. Very cool. What's the future hold for Wendy? You joined this practice three years ago. By the way, the whole team, assets under management, what are we looking at as far as size goes? We are at about 700 million. 700 million at this point. What's the future look like for the team? What do you guys look like two, three, four, or five years down the road? I mean, I would say for our team, certainly to be well over, I mean, even to have doubled our assets under management. I mean, we really feel optimistic, but still realistic about the growth opportunities with Pinnacle and with Raymond James. And for me, I'm enjoying the ride. I just, I was thinking about, I knew you're going to ask questions about my history and to think it's only been five years and that I have taken all these steps in a couple different directions. I should point out too. So our team is out of Memphis, but I live in St. Petersburg, Florida. Okay. I relocated in mid-2020. And one of the blessings to COVID is that we would have never thought that I could do what I do remotely, but it kind of forced all of us to learn Zoom and learn sharing files online and all the things we do now. And so I just kind of pinch myself sometimes because the team's wonderful. We're growing. I feel like we're adding a lot of value for clients. And then I also get to live in St. Petersburg and enjoy this lifestyle at the same time. So you're almost like the new COVID advisor in a lot of ways. So I'm guessing, are all the appointments Zoom at this point? No, not all of them, but a lot. And it's really surprising how many clients, even if they are in Memphis, they still prefer to do the Zoom just because, and again, I think it's different when it's a prospect. You want to get to know them, you want to shake their hand and really you know, establish some trust. But once you kind of have that relationship set, now... The Zoom's just so much easier. You know, you don't have to make the trip and we share the different reports on the screen. So we're all following along. I mean, do you find that, Evan, that you do a lot of Zoom meetings? So I went from like really being against it because I like the human interaction to when the pandemic happened, our building was shut down here. And so I did was 100% Zoom. And uh, now I would say I'm probably 50% Zoom. And a lot of that's because we picked up within the last year, a lot of clients that are outside of the state. Mm-hmm. Uh, so no, I think it's fine. I mean, preferably, I like sitting down with people in person. So if I had that choice, I would do that. But I don't think it takes away too much. No, I think you could absolutely run a practice from Zoom going forward if you chose. And for those clients that are in another state, uh, how does it usually work for you when you refer to them? Do you actually meet in person first and no, then? No, I meet with them on Zoom. The good thing is, I, first of all, I never do phone calls anymore for client meetings. So once Zoom was on, 
not only was like, you know, in person off, but phones were off too, because the concept of being able to share your screen and give people visual learning capability was huge. So no, I'll meet new clients on Zoom. I can pretty much show them everything I'm going to show them anyway. I have a big TV in my office, a big conference room. And normally when I'm meeting with a client, they're looking at the screen half the time anyway, as I go over things. So it's not much of a difference. That's good. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. So being new to the business, do you ever think back like, man, I wish I was still practicing law. I wish I was still doing that. Or or are you like, no, thank God I found this. Thank God Ben asked me to do it because, you know, I would never be an advisor if, if he didn't. Well, very rarely, because what's really fun about my job is that I still do get to, you know, review clients' estate plans and kind of refresh their memory as to what they have in place or have like a basic conversation with them about how they work and then introduce them to an attorney. But it's kind of fun because I get to do the planning and the issue spotting, and then I can hand it off and somebody else can take on the liability and, you know, the logistics of getting it all executed. But you can actually tell them exactly what they need. And so if there is a lawyer referral source that maybe is trying to take advantage of them, you can pinpoint that out immediately. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And that's, and we'll do that a lot and even say, hey, before you sign these, I'm happy to, you know, just a second set of eyes. But of course, I'm lucky too that the teams in Memphis, I used to be in Memphis, so I have some contacts there. So I can at least give them a referral or three you know, that I trust and I know can do can do a good job for them and is, you know, the more sophisticated planning that they likely need. Are, are you the only one not on the team that is now working away or are you the first to do that? I'm the first, but the financial planner that we just hired, Kristen Murphy, she's actually out of Savannah, Georgia. Oh, okay. Her second remote team member. But it was really fun because last week, the entire team, all 10 of us went to Memphis and we're able to kind of do some team building, some marketing. So we do want to make a point of still all connecting in person regularly. But now you're going national. Now you're getting big time. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Very cool. Look, you're somebody that kind of came into it as a second career, kind of in the women. I wouldn't even call it a second career because I don't think that's fair. Normally, when I think of second career. I think of failed at the first, succeeded at the second. So there's a lot of younger people that are thinking about getting into the business and You, luckily, the first place you went is the same place you are four years later, so it's worked out really well. What would be some advice for newer advisors that are getting into the business? Stay with us. We'll be right back. And so used to having everything in front of them right away that we forget that innovation just takes time. I I myself, I get frustrated too. Why? And you know this as being one of my best friends is... Hey, I talk to you all the time. Hey, man, I'm frustrated in the fact that I can't seem to just get there in Mm -hmm. the next day. But that's just not how these things work, right? Innovation needs to be planned out. It needs to be very methodical. And then when it finally hits, that's when it seems like to everyone else that it, it sort of just came out of nowhere. But to you, you know the amount of dedication that it took over that time. You know, what I would say is if it's possible for them to come in as a junior, which I know that's not always possible, but we have two two junior advisors and they are basically following the same path as what Ben Nickel, who is now a senior financial advisor, did. So he came in as a junior, kind of like a quasi assistant to Eric and really learned under Eric. And then once he was comfortable and competent, he started then taking on clients himself and, you know, transitioned into a full-time financial advisor role. I know that's not always possible, 
But if they can try and get into some type of like mentorship program, even if they are maybe doing some grunt work and maybe doing a little bit of service work, it really helps, in my opinion, to be a better advisor because they know how it all works. Yeah. This question just came to my head. You know, banks are always looking at achieving revenue and goals with you guys kind of being separate through Ray J, but also connected with the bank. Is there still goals? Is there still all the same rigors that there would be with a normal bank? Or is it more like it's an outsourced partner situation? We really are more of an outsourced partner. And that's one of the beauty of the relationship and the way they've structured it is that we really do have a lot of autonomy. And of course, we're motivated on our own to build our book and to bring in more clients. Um, but really, it's just like organically is a win-win for both sides and the way they've structured it. And that was what was so appealing to us because we did consider, do we want to go the bank channel again or do we just want to go independent? And, and it was a hard decision because there's pros and cons to both. But because of the way that Pinnacle is structured, we feel like it, it's going to be a really good long-term decision to have gone the FID route. I'm guessing you're getting referrals from them, which makes the value add huge. Absolutely. They're very, very good referrals. And that to us, you know, you're taking a risk. They tell you that you've got great bankers, but until you actually get in there, I don't think we really Yeah, need. you really, yeah, you do never know. You do never know. And the branches you get and the access. Now, how many branches is, does Pinnacle have? So they, they're throughout the South, that they're in the Carolinas, they're headquartered out of Nashville, I think of, with hopes of growing down into Florida, but we don't actually have a territory. So we can service clients anywhere. And we don't have to even work with specific bankers, but especially Memphis is a big, small town. So, I mean, you do naturally kind of gravitate to the people that you're near. How many advisors are at Pinnacle overall? You had mentioned the 40. It's probably been more than that. I'm sorry. I'm still so new. I've no, really, no, it's all good. I really don't. And that's the element too. That's the disadvantage to being remote is that I am not nearly as connected as the rest of the team yep. with the pinnacle culture. And I'm much more connected to the Raymond James considering our home office is in the same town as where I live. So th that is the negative as I feel like I'm not nearly as, you know, connected with the pinnacle side. That gives your firm a huge advantage in the way that you are right there at headquarters. They need anything while the people you're down here. I'm even more South than you, but you're where they are. <laughs> so. It's, it's been a wonderful, well, and it's been great too. Like when we had that bio visit again, like I'm able to, you know, zip downtown and meet them for dinner the night before and connect. Whereas, you know, you don't have the logistics of trying to fly and get hotels. Oh, that's great. As a matter of fact, it's, I didn't even think about that. That's a huge weapon of using those home office visits. I guess you're there. You can kind of help escort, which is nice. So talk about investment management. Who on the team handles that? Is it a committee approach? Are you guys discretion? Are you non-discretion? And how do you currently manage assets? So we have an investment committee within the team and we do mostly ambassador accounts, discretionary. We manage our own models. And so we have there's seven different models that we are constantly revisiting and we rebalance a couple of times a year, but that's really been our push for many years to do, to go that route just for the control. So, are you doing more individual holdings or are you doing more ETFs or more, more mutual funds or? It's almost exclusively ETFs. Okay. We have a couple of mutual funds for fixed income, but yeah, the idea being that we want to keep the internal expense ratio very low, move with the market and be able to, of course, make changes as we see fit. 
but that we really are the low cost and following the market is the way that we structure them. Got it. So using some modern portfolio theory and how you allocate and either through fixed income or different segments of the market. And do you wait by sectors or is it more by locations? Meaning, are you are you using any sector-specific ETFs, indexes, or are you doing more broad indexes? No, it's more broad. Yeah. Okay, cool. And as far as when you bring clients on, do you charge a cost for doing the financial plans, or is that kind of mixed into the fee as you bring the clients on? Yeah, that's something we've never charged for planning. We've always led with it, but we don't charge a fee for it. In fact, we even tell clients where here's the information you could, if you wanted to take your plan and go bring it to another advisor, it's yours to take. But what we found, one, is that we're really establishing a lot of trust right at the beginning by sharing this information and providing all that value at the relationship. And frankly, it just makes us a lot better at our job when we see that full picture. And so we can be better advisors when we've done it. So we've because the idea of a client saying, well, I don't want to pay for the planning, so I'm not going to do it. Let's just get into the investment management. I just think we might be doing them. Yeah, I actually couldn't agree with you more. I do not charge for planning. I know advisors that do it. I think there's, there is a benefit to doing it for younger clients that are coming up, maybe in their twenties and thirties that don't have any AUM yet, but just need some advice. I could see how that like a monthly subscription model is working. I actually talked to an advisor today that's kind of building his practice that way, which kind of makes sense because he's not able to really deal with the higher net worth clients and higher net worth clients are not necessarily going to want to pay for a plan as a referral source and Mm -hmm. doing the plan and kind of holistically understanding the client situation and spending a couple hours with them before they become a client could be huge. So I concur. As people say, there's many ways to skin a cat, I guess, and you can do it different ways, but I I actually agree with the way you just put it. So. Lastly, advice. Any piece of advice you would give out to the advisors out there, either ones that are maybe considering joining the bank channel? Because we talk a lot about advisors that have left the bank channel on the podcast. We haven't talked to a lot that's, hey, joining the bank channel could be a humongous value add. Do you want to give any thought to any comments out to those advisors that maybe are considering a move to the bank channel? Well, I certainly understand their hesitation just because with any, there's certain stereotypes about banks that are just true. The technology, the Raymond James technology versus the pinnacle. I mean, it's just night and day. So, I mean, there are some, definitely some negatives to it, but my advice would be to just do as much research and meet as many of the actual bankers and referral sources that they're going to be working with. And if, you know, they can kind of gauge then, do they understand what I do? Are they trainable? And do they even really get incentivized to bring us business? And if so, it could be a wonderful relationship and a win-win for both sides. But if they don't get a chance to really meet who they're going to be working with, it can. it's very easy for management to just paint the picture, but then they, they can't follow through. So that would be my piece of advice, to at least be open to it and speak with the people that you'd be working with regularly. Yeah, I concur fully. Like knowing who you're going to be working with is important. Also how they're incentivized though. I think you touched briefly on that. That's important too, because if they're actually disincentivized to send referrals, and I've seen bank systems that do that. And I've also seen bank systems that it's a big portion of the goal of the branch is that they do need to have 
a certain amount of referrals or a certain amount of revenue that's flowing from the investment. So knowing that picture and understanding that picture is humongous. Yeah. Awesome. Hey, Wendy, there's possibly somebody might want to reach out to you. What's the best way to get a hold of you? I'd say probably via email. My email address is wendy.vancleave at raymondjames.com. Awesome. And you're on LinkedIn also? Yes. Yeah. So you can reach out to Wendy that way. Wendy, you were awesome. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time today. It was actually our first non-advisor that went to a bank channel advisor on the podcast. So it was good to hear that side. And uh, congratulations on all your success, your team success. As you guys build, it's truly awesome to watch and to hear about. So, and it was a pleasure meeting you a few weeks back as well. Thank you, Evan. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And for you advisors out there, hopefully you enjoyed today's podcast. If you have any comments, feel free to leave them and look forward to seeing you on the next one. Thank you.